Crime Wives is a true crime podcast. Some of the content on this show might not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hi guys, and welcome to Crime Wives. I'm your host, Ronica. And I'm your host, Destiny. And she's going to try and talk louder this time. Maybe. Maybe. Just for Travis. Just Nobody for, else. Yeah. Just Travis. Just Travis. Because he apparently decided to actually start listening to us. So thanks, Travis. Hi, Travis. We're not going to just... Let's not say who Travis is for anyone that doesn't know. This it's is Veronica's husband. Aw, oh, dang it. That's just awkward. <laughs> okay. Well, Destiny's going to try and talk louder for Travis. And I'm going to not talk quieter. I can't. It's fine. We don't need you to talk quieter. So anyways, um, what are you up to this week? Nothing. And it's great. <laughs> Sounds pretty great. Yeah. Because I uh, went to Vegas this last weekend, did lots of things, lots and lots of things <laughs> in a very short period of time and um, was a little tired. A little you tired. said that you were going to give us at least one story. So Okay. Went to a strip club, met somebody who... Um, Went to South Salem High School. <laughs> really? While she was on stage dancing. I totally think I know who you're talking about, so let's just not say any names, but okay. nice. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fun. Yeah, so she um, was very talkative and uh, got a free drink because of it. <laughs> so, um, Did you know her beforehand? No. Oh, okay. She, I, I don't frequent strip clubs. I should probably throw that out there. And it, um, it was like the second or third strip club in my life I've been into. So... I, we, they just sat front row and they're watching women and the women come down and talk the talk and, but I was like, how's your night going? <laughs> like, I love your outfit. <laughs> just being an awkward human. Yeah. Cause I don't do anything better. So, um, but a lot of them would also, they were like, you know, complimentive. Oh, I love your hair. And so, oh, thank you. And then someone was like, where are you from? <laughs> I was like, Oregon. And she was like, me too. <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh, are you joking? Is that what you say? She's like, no, I went to South Salem High School. I was like, holy crap, you're not joking. <laughs> <laughs> she is for real. Yes. Yeah. Um, so. Some of our listeners definitely know exactly who we're talking about. I will just throw that out there. Oh, okay. Because um, um, I went to North Salem, so. I don't know what her real name is. <laughs> it's fine. Well, we, I mean, we shouldn't share, so. Yeah. Yeah, probably not. I mean, I don't think she's sad about it, but um, it was quite the experience, all in all, though. Um, and I, they got a villa that was bigger than my house, and okay. um, like literally bigger than the layout. My house is two stories, and if we took the top of my house or the bottom of my house and put it together, still bigger than my house. Oh wow! So um, they uh, they did it, you know, for to kind of. Um, for, it was for my friend's birthday, but then when we got there, they were like, okay, the room that you're staying in tonight, our sons will be here tomorrow. They're going to stay in that room. So I like walk in and was like, oh, this is giant. I'm not saying that I'm expecting anything, but <laughs> yeah. my bachelorette party's coming up. No, I can tell you right now, cannot afford. <laughs> Rude. But I did swim. I full blown doggy paddled in that bathtub just to be like, uh, like they everyone just to say you did it yes they partied all day long and then by like six o'clock because they're all still responsible adults everyone got done partying i was like six forty-five. everyone leaves we get dinner we come back to the hotel and then i'm like well i have a flight in the morning i'm going to bed because mostly i just wanted to go hang out in that giant room alone <laughs> so. i was like if that you already know me i'm gonna be like what's a room yeah. yeah no no if you if you entered that room though and you like 
you know, we were leaving, you had to be up early in the morning, you'd be like, okay. There was a speaker in the ceiling that was connected to the TV, and um, you could put on, like, really relaxing music. Well, I fell asleep to the relaxing music, and then I accidentally, like, rolled over on it, and... <laughs> blasted at like 3 a.m. in the morning Justin Bieber sorry and I was like oh my god <laughs> I was so unhappy but it was well I wasn't really unhappy I was I almost wet the bed and there was also a toilet that um there was this automatic bidet toilet that everyone was very good at using but for whatever reason <laughs> I walked in there and it wouldn't it wouldn't go up and so You're like um I'm just trying to bidet right now yeah you know, I was trying not to bidet I was just trying to patee <laughs> So the, there was another girl that was in this big bathroom, and I'm like, can you come show me how to work this? And she's like, you just stand in front of it. So she stands in front of it. It's like, she walks away. It closes. I go and stand in front of it. Nothing. She's like, this has got to be a joke. <laughs> so then I sat on the toilet, and as I'm sitting on the toilet, it starts closing. And I'm like, taco style. Like, no, 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 I'm not done. <laughs> so. What is going on here? Yeah, so... Um, it was a great experience, all in all. It was I honestly, fun. if I was going into that big of a room, I'd be like, I'm going to go retire to my quarters. I'll see you guys in the morning. I'll see you peasants in the morning. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much, there was a lot of um, artwork that I kept taking pictures of, of like naked bodies. And when I first got in, I was like, bread? <laughs> Walked right by it. And then someone was like, boobs? And I came back, I'm like, boobs? Oh, not bread. Not bread. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, it was a good time. It was, the room was great. It was, it sounds like a blast. It, yeah. They had like their own little private pool and then on the other side was all the big pools. So yeah, it was a fun time. Super great time. I personally, I think my favorite part was get, take go, doggy paddling in the giant, it, like jacuzzi tub. It's like, this is what I want to be, where I want to be the rest of my life. Oh yeah. I was watching TV while I was in there, got out, put on the hugest rope. Like it was like behind me on the ground I was like I am regal and fuzzy and clean getting married again I have a train (laughs) and then I also made the mistake of falling asleep in the robe and then after I had rolled over and Justin Bieber's yelling at me I also realized I was sweating profusely (laughs) because I fell asleep while you're tangled up in this eight million feet long robe I really do wish there was some sort of camera that could have caught all of me in there that night there probably was oh probably someone somewhere's like this is ridiculous (laughs) like comedy hour of me alone in a hotel room <laughs> so it's great so, yeah I mean it sounds like a blast yeah somebody was literally YouTube <laughs> um I mean I went to the bacon and brew fest which was not as much fun as what it sounds like Vegas was but it was great I went with the in-laws and then um Alex's sister and her husband actually last minute joined us um it was fun I won 300 bucks so can't be upset about that. Nice. You can never be mad about winning any amount of money but 300 I was okay with it. Yeah, That's I was nice. like, oh, okay. And Alex is like, oh, you buying drinks? And I'm like, nope, still you. Nope. <laughs> no, Saving for a wedding, actually. Bye. <laughs> right? No, we actually went to the Nike outlet and bought some shoes, though. So oh, heck yeah. Pretty stoked on that. Um, like, my week was tame compared to your fucking <laughs> Villa Vegas experience. That was only experience. two days, too. It was two days of my life, and it was just nut. It nut, was just though. crazy. Yes. Um, you know, tennis, uh, work meeting tomorrow. Oh. This, maybe seeing our friend after this. Some wedding invitations on Oh, yeah, Saturday. there's that. So then Saturday morning, we're doing wedding invitations, and then we just need to start working on, like, our playlist and every other little thing, literally. 
literally everything. Yeah. So, I mean, not anything too crazy, just very busy as usual. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Story of my life. Yep. I feel like you like it that way. I know. I like to keep myself busy. Yeah. I'm always busy. Yeah. If you can't tell. I mean, I am enjoying the peacefulness that this week is bringing me, but I'm also stoked because I'm going to go to Ikea this weekend. Oh, right. So. You're like, oh, tell the story about that one. Uh, well, just that I was going to go to Ikea by myself, and then <laughs> Travis was like, hey, turns out I don't have to work this weekend. I'm like, <laughs> we're going to Ikea. He's like, dang it. He's like, okay, well, that's where we're at. Yeah. Okay, so what are you going to be talking about this week? Okay, so the murder that I'm talking about... Ooh, murders? Okay. Um, the situation I'm going to be talking about is called... Uh, I just titled it The Brinks Murders. This is going to be a... I'm going to call it Brief Rundown, only because tons and tons of different places about this story online. However, tons and tons of what I felt like I think I say this all the time. Huge gaps in the story. But this one, it's because it was a cold case. So there's just a huge oh. amount of time that goes by. Okay. Okay. So, on the night of Saturday, November 21st, 1987, in Park Township, Michigan, 27-year-old Rick Brinks and his wife of 18 months, 22-year-old Gail Brinks. Their last name might be Brink. I think I added S's because of the Brinks. Okay. Their last name's just Brink. They made their way home from attending a wedding. So they just went to a wedding, came home, they go home, and then Monday rolls around. So on the following Monday, after neither of the two had showed up at either of their jobs, their parents were contacted by their jobs. Rick, his parents, um, end up going to the house. When they arrived, Rick's Chevy Blazer was parked in the front of the driveway. However, upon further inspection... Uh, of the vehicle, and to their horrified discovery, uh, they found their son, Rick, laying across the front seat of his truck. He had been shot twice in the face and was dead. Jesus. And he'd been there since, I'm going to assume Saturday, that's usually when weddings are. (laughs) Okay. Okay. When they made their way through the house, they, well, they decide to go to the house because Gail is obviously, if he's in the front seat, where's Gail? They go inside. Eventually, they find her on the waterbed in the couple's master bedroom. Um, Gail had also been shot in the head. However, there was a pillow over her face. So, obviously, in a panic, they contact the police. Um, Police come. Other than these two dead bodies, there was no indications of any disruption in the home. Uh, No cash or jewelry was taken. Um, Nothing was out of place. They seemed to be in their same outfits as when they went to the wedding. It didn't seem like a burglary, and the couple had no known enemies, and there was no obvious motive at play at the time. So police were obviously baffled and kind of at a loss about the entire crime scene. The execution-style slayings of the young couple obviously shocked everyone around um, the area and in the communities, and Rick Brink's brother, Bud, uh, told the news station that at their funeral, the priest started their funeral unlike any other funeral he'd ever heard before, by saying, this is not the work of the Lord, this is the work of the devil. Ooh. Yeah, that's uh, the worst beginning of a funeral I've ever heard. Unfortunately, due to this lack of leads or evidence, it was pretty quick that their case, or it was pretty quick that the case went cold. Um, That was, of course, until 
2009 when the 2009 yeah how many so this took place in 1970 1987 okay okay holy cow mm-hmm. we flash forward forward we flash forward a lot of years and um and this is like Okay, so this is when the Ottawa County Sheriff's Office created a cold case team to look into unsolved crimes. And I literally put a note here that's like, can we just take a minute to shout out cold case teams everywhere? (laughs) Honestly. Because the type of work, after kind of digging into this, obviously I know about cold case case teams and all of that, but the amount of work that they have to go back through and the files they have to go back through, like thousands of files and statements and... um, they have to look deep into details and all of that stuff um to catch that is honestly like would be my dream job right it sounds like it until you're trying to solve a case and you're like where i know in these details there's something so i just i'm a puzzle person Mm -hmm. so i'm like it truly would be one of mine too not my finest moment but i (laughs) sat there and i did that puzzle with andy for like ever i was like yeah i'm not fucking i don't care what you guys are doing you go play silver it's silver right it's just all one color yeah it's like in a circle i need to he said i could borrow it i need to go get it you need to she's talking about a big giant circle puzzle that our friend had at a new year's eve party and she just sat at a table and did it for hours and hours and it was very difficult it's just big circle silver puzzle well and i remember max he kept yelling at me because i kept finding yes he was mad that he's like are you kidding me and i'm like another one and he's like i hate you i hate you and i was like oh i eventually got frustrated was like i'm gonna go eat chips bye (laughs) i snuck off yeah to a bar for a minute and went and got a shot anyways Anyways. back to you (laughs) okay so 2009, Ottawa County Sheriff's Office creates this cold case team. Uh, They go through thousands, hundreds of different details of this case. Um, And they, obviously their main jobs in this one was to look for inconsistencies. Because in this situation, they knew that the inconsistencies is probably what was going to help them. And something that detectives kept coming back to was the way that the pillow had been placed over Gail's face like in so many other cases, is an indication that a person might have been someone close to her that couldn't look her in the face when they killed her. Yeah, I was thinking that. Yeah. So they keep, you know, coming back to that. And so in 2011, so this is still not even 2009 when this gets... Okay. Okay, 2011, detectives Venus, Venus Repper, great name, and David Blakely, normal name, began looking into the 24-year-old double homicide they began pouring over all of these old documents again and um they conducted 200 different interviews holy 200 so that's why i'm like oh my gosh props to the people that have to do this that would be my least favorite part of the job would be the interview process like where you have to just read people Ugh. anyways okay it was when they came to some inconsistencies in gail's sister-in-law well now would be sister-in-law pam marchini great name um, her statement that they decided to do some re-interviewing um, with kind of the whole family. And mm-hmm. I think that because of the pillow over the head, I think all they had to go off of was it's someone close to her. Let's look into the family. So they start re-interviewing the whole family. And um, this would obviously also support their theory that the killer likely knew Gail. So after the family, um, after enough family interviews, they took a deeper look into the whereabouts that evening of Gail's brother, Ryan Wingarden and his at the time girlfriend, but is now his at the time of this was his wife. 
So initially, Pam Marchini, who is now Pam Wingarden, had told detectives that the night before um, the bodies were discovered, Ryan and Pam had spent the night doing laundry at a friend's house, and then they went home around 9 p.m. and went to bed. Um, then at somewhere in there, there was a, a, a she was interviewed again in the past, and it said that the story had slightly changed, mm-hmm. um, stating that they had went home. Ryan had left briefly, but it came back really shortly after that. Um, and so that's when they bring her in a second time. Eventually, during questioning in January of 2013, Pam gives some new details about the f- um, about the situation that there had been a fight that had taken place while um, a little while before, so it wasn't like around this time, but apparently uh, Ryan had been pretty mad at his sister because he'd asked if he could move in his little trailer. He had a trailer, and he they had two brothers, and he wanted to move their family essentially onto her plot of land Oh, and she was like uh no i don't want you to do that um because for two reasons Uh, all of her brothers were according to her um super disrespectful like just it sounds like they were kind of like loud and rowdy and kind of rude and they gail and him had just put um gail and rick had just put a ton of money into the house um re like re remodeling yes I kept trying to say re-renovating, <laughs> and I knew that wasn't real. They had just renovated it. They didn't want, you know, him to move in. Obviously, this probably pissed him off. Um, some accounts say that he was a, um, a marijuana dealer at the time, so he's probably just wanted to live off his sister's land and um, sell weed and live yeah. the life. She didn't want that to happen for obvious reasons. Weird. And if... According to the pictures, they look like they're in their 30s, but according to the one place that I could find their age, it says they're 22 and 27. Of course, you don't want your brother moving in with you if you're working that hard to renovate your house and have this nice plot of land, and it's a pretty good chunk of land and a cute little house. I wouldn't want my brother moving with me either. Especially if I thought my brother was, like, dealing... At the time, like, like, marijuana was a lot bigger of a deal than it is now. uh I mean, it's still legal to deal anything, but yes. But um, if my brother was dealing marijuana... And was like, hey, can I move on your land? And I'm like, actually, I have my shit together. Uh, no. Can you not? Yeah. So, and, sorry. And if that's... But not. Sorry. Yes. And if that's the standard, they're probably not going to take care of their house. Or, you know, they're probably going to be yeah. kind of disrespectful. Yeah. So, for obvious reasons, she's like, no, it pissed him off. So, in this interview, that's when Pam is like, okay, well, there was this little fight about the house. And then she says, um, she also brings up a previous statement in this interview that she'd made in the past. She said that Ryan um, did in fact do laundry with them at a friend's house that evening, but when they got home, she stayed home and Ryan left for several hours. And so, um, interesting that. <laughs> and then another point of concern in the new statement given to police from Ryan's other sister, just days after the murders, he had been sitting on a couch and just said, apparently, I wonder if I could have done this. About the murders. Um, what? Yeah. So, they question her. They bring this other sister in. She says, yeah, this kind of threw me off. And I don't know if she had said this back in the 80s or if she's just now bringing it up. She's Ryan's sister, so I don't know about that. But one of the biggest bombshells to this case finally came when a witness, a woman who is unnamed, I could not find her name. Again, if someone out there can find, I was sleuthing 
through the internet today. I went down some weird, a lot of um, spam was popping up. I was like, I've gone too far, I've gone too far. <laughs> abort, so, abort, abort. Yeah. So this witness comes forward and, and she says that she was also dating Ryan at the time that Pam and Ryan were also dating. Oh. Yeah, a little side chick. Awkward. And um, she had been dating Ryan and um, she said that a few months after the murder, she'd been laying in bed with him or he'd been laying above her is what I wrote. Um, and he told her that he'd been holding on to a really big secret. And she remembers at the time that she was kind of panicking. She's like, oh my gosh, he's going to tell me that he did something to his sister, like killed her sister. And in fact, he doesn't say that. What he does instead say, he tells her about many times in the past when he'd forced his sister to have sex with him. Or What? Yeah. So... This witness confession obviously started to shine some light on the possible motive. <laughs> and uh, I don't know why this person, A, is unnamed. B, hadn't come forward all of those years ago like, oh, his sister's dead. Oh, maybe I should go to the police. But for whatever reason, sometimes when these sort of things happen, I think people just choose to sit with information instead of... Yeah, well, instead of it, because then you're part of it, you have to address it, you have to deal. Maybe this person at the time was in love with him, and so... Yeah, oh, well, I'm sure she was a side... She might not have been the side piece, she could have been the main piece, who knows? Yeah, exactly. So, with this, police decided to bring Pam in a final time for questioning, um, and they presented her with this new witness's information. And was like, hey, we just want to say, we found this out. And, of course, she is like... Okay, I'll tell you everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, in this interview, also, she... Also, bitch. Yeah, I know. But you'll probably kind of... It's going to make a little more sense. So, okay. in this interview, she admitted that she knew Ryan had killed his sister. What? Yeah. Oh, and brother-in-law. I mean, once you kind of brought them up, I was like, oh my god. Yeah. So, she admits she knows that he killed his sister and brother-in-law, and she mm-hmm. believed that he'd done it out of fear that his sister would tell the other people that, um, or tell other people all the times that he had raped her as a teenager. And it's actually, I, I think it's teenager and even younger than that. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't necessarily like, you know, we'll get to that part. But also because he was a little jealous of Rick to be honest. Ew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Sicko. So she then went on to explain um, that the night of the murder, Ryan had come home and picked her up and took her back to the sister's house where um, Rick and Gail were dead and forced her to, he like got her out of the car and she says, pulled her by her wrists and forced her to view the dead bodies and told her that if she ever told anyone what he'd done, he would kill her and her son, who was not his child. Oh. Yeah. So out of fear for her life, this is the part that I'm like, eh. She, uh, obviously for her fear of her life and her son's life, she not only did not tell anyone um, for all those years, but she also went on to marry him and have two of his children. How do you marry someone that's capable of something like that? You know, I... I thought of it two different ways, or there's two different ways to look at it. Either she's worried for her whole life that her son will die, or that she was just kind of in on it. I think she's kind of full of shit. Yeah, I don't know. I Yeah. Personal opinion of the day. She's full of shit. I kind of agree with that, and I also don't know what happens to her after this. I don't know. I know that she testifies in court probably for, like, her freedom or whatever, so that she's not tied into this. She doesn't go to jail, I know that. So, Ryan Wingarden was arrested on first-degree murder, 
charges when and went to trial for the murder of his sister and her husband in March of 2014. That's insane. Yeah. Under oath, he described three sexual encounters with his sister. These were the only ones that he explains. I, I'm sure there's more. Um, he gives three examples, and uh, the first was when he was 12 and Gail was 9. The last, when he was 15 and she was 12. And, oh, I'm sure it happened a lot more than that mm-hmm. during those. Uh, yeah, in this one, it's more like, so it, like the next part says, in the final sexual episode, he claimed they touched genitals, but protested, and quote, my sister did not lose her virginity to me. I am certain that if he's, I don't know that anyone would, I mean, anyone in their right mind would kill somebody because they don't want that, those little tiny details. I feel like there's probably more. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, He obviously claimed that he was innocent of the murder of both Gail and Rick and even went as far to say, quote, I didn't murder them, but I want to murder whoever did. I'm not a murderer, but I'm kind of a murderer. But I'd like to murder. Yeah. The jury, however, did not believe his many stories and took only four hours um, of deliberation for them to decide their verdict. Before sentencing, however, Ryan went off on, and there is a YouTube video of this, um, like pictures of this happening. He went off on an hour-long rant in court in his blue and white stripe and he's bald and he's he looks very um intellectual Mm -hmm. but also just kind of crazy eyes and he goes off on an hour-long rant where he blames that his case had been a long elaborate story where he accused his wife his sister that spoke against him the police as well as investigators and even the judge of a conspiracy against him Oh my god. When people involve that many people in a conspiracy, I'm like... Oh, you mean straight... all of the people that know your shit? <laughs> yeah, you're straight up stupid. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not just the government. It's everybody close to me. It's also now my wife. Why did I choose her? It's also my sister. Who knows? It's also my ex-lover. Yes. It's literally all the people that know your deepest, darkest secrets. Uh, but it's a conspiracy. I wouldn't be surprised if my mom and my dad were right on <laughs> Yes, it's just They're all like, bad news. passed away. Wouldn't be surprised. They're probably ghosts are here, mad at me. <laughs> Jesus. So, um, when the judge spoke that day, there Ryan interrupted him and starts yelling that the judge is a liar. <laughs> and the Contempt. judge told him that Ryan needed to be quiet or else he'd go get some duct tape for his mouth. I was like, <laughs> okay, judge, okay, okay. Finally, when the jury returned on March 28th, 2014, uh, they found Ryan War- Wingarden. <laughs> I almost said Warren Garden. Uh, They found Ryan Wingarden guilty of two counts of first-degree murder for the deaths of Rick and Gail Bink. Brink. I wrote Bink. I get it. (laughs) Two months later, when he's finally sentenced, that's how long it took to give him his final sentence. Yeah. The judge, same duct tape guy, said to him, This was a brutal homicide. You are a brutal and cold-blooded murderer. There is no way to deny that. And he finally sentenced him with two consecutive life sentences for the murder of his own sister and brother-in-law over 26 years after the day they died. That's insane that it took so long. 26 years. I was just thinking and I was like, me and my brother, he's six years older. <laughs> he, we fight 
we don't get along. We've always, I mean, we love each other. He's my brother. Yes. But we've always had, Well, like, siblings fight still. Yeah, I mean, Especially we, brother and sister. Well, and the fact that we're six years apart is we were so, I was the annoying little sister. Yeah. And we've always, but, dude, anybody tries to hurt me, that guy, he'll come after you. Mm-hmm. And he's a big mother effing dude. Yeah. I, like, I, I just couldn't imagine. I think in this case... But also, case, I know his weak spot, so if he tries to kill me, <laughs> I'm coming for you, Christopher. Just so we know. for you. So there's her threat. <laughs> um, I think in this case, he had some deep, dark stuff, even as a child, that probably oh, got yeah. ignored. And there was a few different other things. There was a few other examples of kind of just examples of his weirdness over time that I think got ignored. Um, I think if... I don't know. There's not a lot about, like, the police work on this case back in the 80s, but just because I think they had no solid evidence and there was no DNA, there was no sign of anyone being in the house, that was that. And so they just were like, okay, well. And all they had to do was wait a bunch of years for a lady to be like, I've sat with this long enough. I'm ready to talk about it. Jesus. That's all it took. That's insane to me. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane that sometimes that's how you get your case. Yeah. Okay, so that was my quick, short, crazy story. Yeah, that's a nutty story. It was nutty. Um, what are you doing? Yeah, so <laughs> today I'm going to be talking about G- Gerald. No, it's Gerald. Gerald and Charlene Gallego. I'm going to give you a little bit of background on both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so Gerald was born on July 17th, 1946, which just so happens to be today's date that we're actually recording this. Oh, oh. I was like, it is? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So he was born in Sacramento, California. His mother was a sex worker and his father was a known criminal who was actually the first person to be executed in the Mississippi gas chamber. Okay, crazy. Also, great home life, I'm assuming. (laughs) Well, so he actually didn't really know his birth father. Oh. But his mom was a sex worker. Yeah. Not saying that's a bad lifestyle, but did I just say lifestyle? Lifestyle. (laughs) Just take it on that Mississippi axe. I'm not saying that's a bad lifestyle. Um, So he ended up, he was the first person killed in Mississippi gas chamber. He killed a couple police officers when he was trying to escape. Oh, death by gas chamber. Yes. So back to. Gerald, um, his first, I'm going to mess one that up ever. In. I'm like, Gerald, Gerald, She wants to it. say Gerard, but it's Gerald. Gerard she was- Butler. <laughs> so, Gerard Butler. Okay. <laughs> so, Gerald's first crime was at the age of 13, and that is when he sexually abused a little girl that was six years old. Oh, wow. We went from Gerald to sexually abusing. <laughs> he is. Did he ever go by Jerry? Would that help? Uh, I'm not, no. Okay, never mind. <laughs> okay, so he did bad so, stuff to a 16-year-old. Got yes. it. A six-year-old. Six-year-old, I heard When 16. he was 13. Oh. Yeah. So he then continued with various crimes such as burglary and various sex offenses that there's not a lot documented about it. She looks real sad. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, before he was convicted of robbery and served about two years. As a young adult, he worked various jobs such as bartending and a truck driver. He ended up marrying a total of, well, a total of eight times, but at the time that he met Charlene, seven times. Oh, boy, that's a lot of marriages. Two of them were to the same woman as well. Oh, you know, I want to hate on it, but my grandma's done that. (laughs) 
Shout out, Grandma. You might act. One of these grandmas listens. Right? Um, And he had a daughter in his second marriage, and her name was Krista. He ended up gaining custody over her, but then still she went and lived with her mom for a little while. Probably was like, Dad's kind of crazy. It was a very good thing. Can I come Um, home? But with, yeah, so he had that child with with his second wife. All of his wives were basically early or late teens, um, early 20s kind of thing. So oh. all within a few years. And oh, all so that's, I was going to ask, how long were his marriages? So about all? a month. So it's basically every time he dated someone, he married them. He married them and then he would beat them. Oh. Ugh. Yes. So he was a woman beater. And so around this time, he met Charlene. I hate him. Around the age of 32. Okay. We're like one paragraph down. I know. So a little backstory on Charlene. So Charlene Williams was born October 10th, 1956 in Stockton, California. Her father was the vice president of a supermarket chain and her mother assisted in all of his work. Is she in the picture? Are you looking at the picture right now? I am. Yes. So that's Charlene and that is Gerald. He looks a A little like an older version of one of my (laughs) ex-boyfriends. Stay away from him. Well, I did because I'm married to a different person. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so her mother assisted in the work with her father. She was said to be just a smart and shy little girl, but as a young adult, she got wrapped up in drugs and alcohol. But she is so pretty. She's very pretty. Yeah. Okay. Super pretty. Yeah. Throw that out there as an adult. We'll get into more of that too. Okay. So she was married twice before she met Gerald. Her first husband was a wealthy, wealthy man, but he was also a heroin addict um, who said he was quoted saying that Charlene was very interested in lesbian sex. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. No, nothing at all. But (laughs) But he he... just was quoted saying this later on. Okay. So it'll tie back in a little bit later. And he would, and she would constantly beg him to have threesomes with like sex workers. Was he ugly? (laughs) Because maybe that's I don't know. Why. I don't know what I he mean, looks like. <laughs> I mean, that might be. I mean, or just she wanted to have both. What year was this she? This is in the, like, this is around the 70s, early yeah. 70s. Probably, yeah. like, yeah. easier to get married to a man, but if you're into women, it's a little, you can have a side. Thing. Yeah. So eventually, because of multiple issues, including the interference of her parents into their marriage, they ended up getting divorced. And then she remarried a soldier that didn't last very long. She got pretty bored. And they got divorced. God, I'm so glad dating exists now, so we don't just have to marry all the people that we so like. So I'm going to court you. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Yes. I don't want to be courted by any of you. Thank you. Me and Alex have, yeah, Jesus. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Me and Alex have, yeah, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, so after this, uh, she began having an affair with a man and who was married. And he ended up ending it after she was like, hey, can your wife join? He's like, whoa, 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 my wife doesn't know about you. Calm you down. are a side piece. Yeah. Um, so he ended it. She got really upset. She tried to, she attempted committing suicide. Oh. It didn't, she didn't I wonder commit why suicide. she wouldn't just have things with women. I know, because it was like, don't ask, don't tell. Yeah, just go have a fling with a girl. You're into him, clearly. Yeah, and you're not that even sucks. married at this point. So. Yeah. So she d- ended up not But then again, dying. maybe her thing was guys and girls at the same time. That was probably her kink. Anyways, so she ended up meeting Gerald. In 1977, Gerald and Charlene met at a poker club, and within a week, they moved in together. He then started to get very controlling, insisting that she give him any income that came in, and telling her even what she could wear. 
So oh. he's like, you can wear this, but you can't wear this. Oh, good God. I've been in a relationship like that. I'm so and sad for her. Yeah, we've met people. I've met plenty of people. I've never, because I'm always like, oh, then you don't like who I am, so you can go F yourself. Yeah, that's the... Most... I was a little more naive when I was younger because I was partially in a relationship kind of like this, but I also like... Yeah, I was in one long one, and it taught me from there on out, sorry, you don't like it, it's not yours, bye. Yeah, I would be like, oh, well, I'm sorry you don't like me for this reason, but then I'd secretly be like, oh, maybe I shouldn't wear it. Oh. So it was more oh, like my... that. Oh, I was very submissive in one, so... I mean, you've met me, so... Yeah, no. I was it's aggressive. probably because I hang out with people like you that I'm like, don't tell me what fuck you are, I've got Destiny. <laughs> Destiny will beat you up. Yeah. I will, but she definitely will. <laughs> um, so, Charlene and Gerald had a very strong sex life. I okay. just decided to use the word strong. Strong. Uh, <laughs> it was not weak. Yes. She became the submissive, and he became her dominant. At first, everything went smooth until until Gerald started having issues keeping an erection. Oh no, that's not good for a dom. <laughs> no, which is something he blamed Charlene for. Of course he did. He started becoming emotionally and physically abusive with her. So after a few months, Gerald uh, brought home a 16-year-old dancer. The couple had a threesome with her, but insisted that Charlene and the dancer did not touch each other. How'd that dancer get the job? At 16? This is like the 70s. Are you kidding? You could be... Is it? Is that? Is that the same as a stripper? Yes. It's the 70s. There's a 16-year-old stripper in the 70s? That's like asking how, how there's a 16-year-old sex worker now. Well, yeah. Can well, happen. that is still illegal, so they can under the rug that, but you can it be 16... It's in the 70s. But in the 70s, you could be a 16-year-old stripper? Yes. I need to Google this talk, promptly Go after home this. and talk to your mother. <laughs> My mom? Well, I'm sure she'll be like, yes. She'll be like, yeah, Veronica. Like, dude. I need to clarify right now. My mom was not a 16-year-old stripper in the 70s. My mom was born in the 70s. So she was like, your grandma. And she'll tell you. Who was not a stripper in the 70s. (laughs) Okay, nobody was a stripper. But I'm sure she was aware that it was easy for 16-year-olds to be strippers. Okay. Yo, Grandma, if you're listening, I've got some conversing to do with you. We have some conversations to be had. Okay, so um, so he brought home this uh, dancer, mm-hmm. and she was 16, 16. years old, we've established. <laughs> um, so they had a threesome with her, and but Charlene was not allowed to touch the other female. Okay. He was like, nope, you guys... Okay. Just me. Just me. No, you too. Me, dewy, touchy to her. You know, touchy, touchy. Okay. <laughs> you know, touchy, touchy. So he came home one night after work and found them in bed together. Oh, they touchy, touchy. <laughs> they touchy, <laughs> yeah. touchy. Oh, but she's 16. Yeah, also very bad. Yeah, it's all. So he physically assaulted both of the women. Okay. Um, and and he threw the dancer out the window. I don't know if this is like a second story, first story, but it's known that he I threw hope her out it the was window. a first story and there was a bush outside and so she <laughs> And it was just a screen and yeah. the window was open. Yes. Yes. So, Ugh. um on Gerald's 32nd birthday, he ended up molesting his daughter. So, oh. he ended up getting her back. I'm sorry, I'm just giving you all the details. Yeah, you are. Um it just and seems her fun friend and happy until you do shit like that. Sorry. <laughs> So, I know I'm always laughing, and I'm like, okay, continue on. Um, So, on Gerald's 32nd birthday, he molested his daughter and her friend, and it was found out that he had been molesting his daughter since she was six years old. Oh, man. That's his, like, prime age, apparently. Apparently. And not long after that, Charlene found out she was pregnant. Oh. Gerald was not happy about this. He was very against it. Yeah. 
Okay. I don't know why. He just was. And he ultimately took her to an abortion clinic and made her get an abortion. Okay. Cool. So in September of 1978, Gerald told Charlene that he needed sex slaves. So the two went on a hunt. In the forest? <laughs> no. Okay. To a mall. This is when they saw 17-year-old Rhonda Scheffler and 16-year-old Kippy Vaught. Oh, no. Gerald pulled over. Please stop. <laughs> Gerald <laughs> pulled over and Charlene walked up to the girls, asking if they wanted to go back to their van. Or So at the time, it was just basically, want to go back to my van? Um, I have some weed. We can just go chill and smoke the weed. And she looked... She was pretty young at this time. So she looked like she was around their age. And they were like, oh, sure. Let's go get, let's go smoke some weed. Yeah. So as they're entering the van, Gerald met them with a gun. Okay. And he made them lie on the floor face down as he tied their hands and feet together. Okay. He drove to a secluded area where he took both girls out of the car and into a highly wooded area. He then returned a few hours later. So he left Charlene back. I was like, Charlene, stay at the car. Oh, I don't like this. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I didn't like it, but I don't like this. Yes. So, and then he left the girls in the forest area uh, saying to Charlene, and this is quoted that he said this. It's funny that I asked, did he find him in a forest? Nope. Took him to one. Anyway. So, quote, ask me no questions. I'll tell you no lies. Oh, bleh. So, oh, I hate it. They went to a friend's house, Charlene, and so they left them in the woods. Then Charlene and um, Gerald went to a friend's house to create an alibi. Then they returned to the woods and got the girl. The girls were still freaking alive. Well, yeah. I mean, it doesn't. It sounds so they like went he back, just tied them up, put them out there. Yes, and well, and he was gone for a couple hours. Right. So whatever he did. We can assume. Ugh. He got them back into the van, drove to another secluded area, and shot them both in the head. As he was turning to leave, he heard Kippy groaning, and they shot her multiple times again. This is two episodes in a row that we've mentioned someone getting shot in the head. Too. Oh, Randall Woodfield. Sorry. I-5 Bandit. So, we skipped one, but went back, shot him again. I hate everyone! <laughs> People are evil. Yes. So, shortly after this, Gerald and Charlene got married. Oh, no. Yes. With the murder investigation of Kippy and Rhonda in full force, Charlene got the assistance of her parents in falsifying new identities. Okay. Enablers. They're, I think they're kind of innocent. Like, my daughter didn't do this. She just caught up in, like, this bad thing with this guy. I mean, which is probably partially right, but they've probably got the whole, it's, it's only. They got their blinders on. Yeah. For sure. That clearly, she's obviously heavily influenced by this man who probably has now turned her also into a predator. Exactly. Okay. They briefly moved to the Houston area um, where her dad got him a job, and then that didn't work out, so they moved to Reno. At this point, they both got jobs and were living a pretty normal life. They So no attacks or anything like that that we know of. Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> until Gerald decided he needed a little more again. Right. So he got that itch. Yes. That's when they attended Washoe County Fair and came across 14-year-old Brenda Judd and 13-year-old Sandra Colley. Oh my God, 13. I'm sorry. Ugh. I mean, six-year-olds are involved in this, but I'm angry. <laughs> so Brenda and Sandra, I had to like, I like left some time in there because I knew there was more coming for me. I was like, thank you. Girl, just get it out. <laughs> I am said what I needed to say. Moving on. 
So Brenda and Sandra were leaving the fair when Charlene approached them saying she needed help putting flyers on cars and that she would pay them for it. She just needed to grab a few more from her van. Oh. Ugh. So they headed to the van where Gerald appeared again with the gun and once again tied the girls up and put them in the van. While they were traveling, Gerald pulled over and told Charlene to drive so he could go in the back and assault the girls. Okay, so he purposefully has her go out, scope the girls out, get the girls, Mm -hmm. and then she's totally out of it and apparently fine with it? She's not totally out of it. Oh. So once he was done, they pulled over and Charlene participated and forced the girls to perform different sexual acts as well with her. So with her and with each other and all of that. Okay. So she is not innocent in this. I know. I I take back the comments I said about her nice hair. (laughs) Fuck your hair. Fuck your hair. (laughs) They then went deep into the woods. He took them each out with his hammer and shovel. So he went and picked up a shammer and... Shammer? Oh, not a shammer. I never was going to die. Shammer. Okay, so he went and picked up a shovel and a hammer um, from a local store Ooh, while they were literally... I think you just came up with a good idea. One side, shovel. Other side, hammer. Shammer. <laughs> Sounds like a murder weapon, so she maybe that. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> okay, so he hit him over the head with the shovel, killing them. Okay. So, there's That's that. what I get for making a joke. <laughs> Please don't. (laughs) Never in these conversations. Not in this context. So they ended up... She's just taking a fat sip of wine right now. (laughs) Looking like she might cry. Regret. (laughs) Regret. So they headed home. Charlene proceeded to clean out the van, keeping only the hammer and the shovel. The girls were reported missing, but apparently two other girls were reported missing. And those girls were... Have, like, friends knew that they were going to run off with the fair. So both of the stories got kind of mixed up. God damn it. It's because people actually used to run away with the carnies that (laughs) all the stories. So it got mixed up. But the cases at the end, they got like sorted out. But the case kind of ran cold because they dealt with a lot of time where it was just confusion. Right. And runaways and literal people running away. And I think for about four years, they were suggested to be runaways. Okay. Um, So at the time, Gerald and Charlene moved back to Sacramento. Once they were in Sacramento, Gerald got distracted by other women for a small amount of time. So he's just having affairs and doing his thing right. um, until he decided he needed another what he called sex slave. Got the itch. <laughs> in April of 1980, they headed back to the Sunrise Mall, which is where they found the first victims. Okay. Um, fun fact, weird fact, is that actually when I was working for Sephora mm-hmm. about, it was probably three years ago, and... My old boss messaged me and she's like, hey, so I just took over uh, the JCPenney here. My support inside JCPenney needs a new beauty manager. It's at Sunrise Mall. And oh. so when I saw this, I was like, fuck you, Sunrise <laughs> Mall. Um, the one it, time that Destiny is very hearable in it is when she screams, fuck, fuck you, you. Sunrise Mall. That's when you guys know I'm very serious about my feelings. Oh, yes. Um, so anyways, I just saw that and I was like, shut up. You're like, oh, let's take a job there. (laughs) I could have lived, or I could have lived. Well, hopefully not ended up living, but I could have worked at that mall. Yeah. So, anyways, back to all of this. They came across Stacey Redican and Karen Twiggs, who were both 17. They did the same, hey, I got some weed in my car. Do you want to come over here? God, that's all it took back then was just, hey, because of people like them, anyone that's like, I've got something in my car, you're like, Sorry about your car. I gotta power walk this way. Yeah. Um. Well, your car can go 
itself. Yeah. I censored myself, guys. It's fine. <laughs> the one and only time. <laughs> Alex always is like, why do you always censor yourself? And I was like, I don't know. It's actually funner sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> Um, anyways, so, uh, they got in the van, he then again tied them up, Charlene was driving, and he raped and he beat them. Okay, right. Every time we talk about something funny. Sorry. <laughs> I just go, okay, serious. Yeah. Um, so they drove up East I-80, which is a common, the road that they drive on every time. It's okay. in California. Um, which is where they would typically drive on all these crimes, like I said. Um, once they got to Limerick Lake... He once again led the girls out one by one, killing them with a hammer and burying their bodies. Oh, gosh. No There's shammers. No shammers. I almost made, it, made a shammer joke, but I stopped myself. Yes, we're talking about murder, Rodica. But Come wouldn't on. it have been convenient if he had a shammer? Oh my god, I'm so mad at myself. <laughs> she looks, like, really guilty. I can't believe I made that joke, but it and needed I think to be she said. might cry. Okay, so we're going to move on. Um, Gerald wanted to keep the murder weapon, but Charlene took the weapon and the... She was like, hammer. I'll get a shammer. <laughs> Fuck this shammer and threw it out the window. So at this time, Charlene found out she was pregnant once again. Oh, good, no. But unlike this time, Gerald was excited. He thought this would be a great way for him to cover up what they really do behind closed doors. What? How? You're pregnant. You're a good person. Good people are pregnant. You're not killing women with me. Well, it's like, oh, you have a baby. It's a cute couple with a baby. Like, Uh they're not going around murdering and killing people. absolutely not. So, even at this time, they got married again under their fake aliases. Because remember earlier, her parents helped them create a fake alias. Because once was not enough. So they're like, oh, we're having a baby. Let's get married again. Let's just do it. Oh, fun marital bliss. So in June of 1980, the two were on a vacation in Oregon. Oh, no. And came across Linda Aguilar, who was a 21-year-old pregnant, kind of, she just seemed free-spirited. She's older than what he usually likes. And she was pregnant. And she was pregnant. Gerald apparently decided he just had to have her, though. Okay. The couple offered her a ride, and then the same thing happened. Okay. He gets her in the back. Charlene starts driving. Gerald assaults her. Once they found an isolated area, he strangled her, struck her with a rock, and later on with an autopsy found that she was buried alive. Oh, oh, oh. I'm... Unhappy again. Okay. So the police at the time believed it was her boyfriend because he had history of abusing her. Okay. So and he also almost, she was pregnant, so that probably felt like motive. Yeah. So he almost actually got charged with this crime. Okay. So only a little over a month later in July, the day before his birthday, the couple were at a bar. Um, it's called the Sale Inn. And it's a, it was a bar in West Sacramento that they were known to frequent. Or they weren't known to frequent, but it was just in the area where they lived. Okay. Um, so they were just drinking it up for his birthday, and then when it was time for the bar to close, he's like, "Oh, I don't, I'm not ready to go yet. Okay. I don't want to go." But they waited in the parking lot for the bartender Virginia Mochel to get off of work. They then forced her into the van, where this time he drove home. Literally, no one's safe around them. It doesn't matter anymore. No. He well, he's getting cocky. Yeah. For they literally just, drove home. He, yeah. Oh. Yeah, so this time they drove home compared to, like, opposed to going down, like... Hiding the body somewhere. So... uh, He's cocky, he's drunk, and at at this point he's gone so far, it doesn't matter. Yeah, he's just like, I can get away with whatever. Yeah. So Charlene went in the house and hung out until 
Gerald ordered her back to the van. So Charlene literally went in the house, watched TV while he was in the van sexually assaulting her. And no one heard a woman getting That's sexually what, assaulted like, what in a the van? hell? I wonder, they might have gagged her. It doesn't say anything about gags or anything like that, but maybe. So she, he ordered Charlene back to the van to start driving back to the country. And while she was driving, he strangled her. And then they disposed of the body. Okay. So the disappearance caused an uproar in their community, though. Absolutely. I mean, there are people getting strangled and dropped off in places. Well, and so what's more surprising is that they talked more about how this one was the one that, not when the kids went missing, like the teenagers, that this one, it was like she was known in the community, she had two kids, mm-hmm. um, and she stuck by a very, like, strong routine. Uh-huh. And so... And probably, maybe, I'm assuming, had they not tied them all together at this point? No. Yeah, so that's probably why this one specifically was like, well, she's well-known. A lot of, I'm sure she probably, she's a bartender. She probably had a ton of friends that were like, oh, we won't sit quiet. Exactly. So the customers of the sale inn said they remembered a couple of random people that came in. I think their names were Gerald and Charlene. Oh, are you sure it wasn't Gerard Butler and (laughs) Sherry? When they tracked down Gerald at his new job where he was a bartender... He said that he had been there, but he had nothing to do with her disappearance. When they tracked down Charlene, she said, yeah, we had been there, but we spent the day fishing, and then we went to the bar. They found Virginia's body not long after that, her hands bound by fishing line. Oh, oh, she gave them away. (laughs) Even though they suspected the couple, they had no concrete evidence. Right. Yeah, and all that fishing wire would do is say, well, that could possibly put them there, but not give any sort of reason that they did it yeah i mean it's like oh suspicion but could have tied her up and then walked away yeah oh god yeah okay so which things... they've done oh okay so after this things got a lot worse between charlene and gerald he beat her more than usual and in september of 1980 she moved home with her parents he kind of flopped around he reconnected with an ex but in, by november the two were back together okay so they borrowed her parents. They were still living apart, though. Right. Um, so they borrowed her parents' car to go to dinner and a movie and ended up looking for more victims. Okay. So just right back into it. Right. So up, at this point, it's almost it. like she's real damaged, tries to get out of it, and is like, ooh, still damaged, got to go back. But the thing that bothers me is that it takes her literally, like, him beating her. It's not watching these assaults or anything like this. And I saw one place that she said that, while she was with him and everything like that, she didn't think what he was doing to his daughter was wrong. Oh, no. So that's where I'm like, this bitch. Yeah. Okay. Anyways. Also, almost kind of sad for her, but I'm still real mad at her. Yes. So. So, and I mean, she had her life set up. She had a very high IQ. She, like, her parents were pretty wealthy, obviously. She's much more attractive than him. She's much more attractive. (laughs) Um, she had a lot going for her, mm-hmm. um, and then her life well, just... I mean, her it. first husband was a heroin dealer or addict? addict. So, so this... she got into drugs and shit like that, which yeah. happens to so many people. So that's... We could talk about that Side note, hours. agreed. <laughs> yes. Um, so they borrowed her parents' car to go to dinner and a movie and ended up looking for more victims. Then they came across Mary Beth Sowers and Craig Miller. So this is a little spin because there's a guy. Yeah, I was like, but what? So this time, Gerald got out of the car 
himself and force them into their car with a gun. Probably because there was a man involved. So he, True. Yeah. So during this time, one of Craig's fratern- fraternity brothers ran over to the couple and poked his head in the window. And he's like, what are you guys doing? Charlene freaked out, started yelling at this guy, and just sped off and headed towards the country. Charlene drove until Gerald ordered her to stop. He then ordered Craig out of the car and shot him three times in the head. Oh, boy. Then told Charlene to drive back to their apartment, where he took Mary Beth to the bedroom and raped her while Charlene just sat on the couch and watched TV. Oh, boy. I wonder, like, that car ride all the way out to the country, how that went... How sitting outside of the, like, well, she's in the apartment, they're in the bedroom, what are you watching? I have specific details that I just want to know. I can't answer any of those. I hate that my mind works that way, but okay. You're like, but fill in the blank. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So when Gerald was done, they drove her out to the country and shot her. Okay, that car ride, how did that go? Okay, anyways. Like, how, like, I, if it were me hopefully god it's never me but i'd be like how the fuck are you letting this guy do this yeah i a lot of banging i i just want to like is she driving is he sitting is he driving i have a rape whistle okay they, is the radio on yeah <laughs> yes are they just singing in the front seat nah. yeah are you trying their to, like, wedding song Ugh. Sorry. <laughs> okay <laughs> Just take things right? to another From level. From just like mid-level ground right to severe awfulness. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so little did they know, Charlene didn't speed off quickly enough, and the fraternity brother wrote down their license plate. Oh, great. Perfect, perfect, happy. Okay. This time she actually means great and perfect and happy. I do. I am happy. So, I feel great. It all sounds and feels the same. <laughs> so the next morning, they went to return the car to Charlene's parents. The cops were there. Jared quickly just was like, I'm out, ran, just took off. Gerald did that? Did I say Gerald? Uh, Maybe. (laughs) Gerald, (laughs) Gerald took off. He just was like, bye guys. He just runs. Yeah. Oh my. And uh, Charlene was left to answer all the questions with the cops. So I don't know if he ran before they saw him or what it was. I'm assuming not whenever they saw him because she would, it would just be like, well, he's not a suspect, I swear. (laughs) As he runs away. Um, Charlene answered questions, but... They had no hard evidence at this time. Right. They were just like, hey, like, your license plate was written down with these kids that have gone missing. Um, so Gerald, Gerald, Jesus, fuck. Gerald is very hard to say for destiny. Gerald, who had not hid Craig's body whatsoever. He right. just, like, shot him and left oh, like him. like, on the side of the road or something? Yeah. Returned to the scene of the crime to hide the body, but it was already gone and it had already been found. So at this time they were like, we need to get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. So they went from Salt. They went to Salt Lake City, where her parents wired her money. She called them. Was like, hey, I need money. And they hey guys, were, things are rough. Uh, I need to buy groceries. I mean, the cops were just at their house, so they know something's up. But yeah. they're like, okay, we're gonna send you money. So they sent <laughs> them money. So her poor parents. Like I said once again, enablers. Uh huh. And like not even like enablers, like people I know that have enabling parents. Yeah. But these are a little bit different. Rape. Yeah. Okay. So they ended up traveling to Denver, then to Omaha, Nebraska, where they called her parents again and they wired her literally more money. I mean, you have to think in their brains, they're just like trying to hope for the best, maybe. A, option A. B, they're like, woo, we're part of a, like, 
some sort of cool. I don't think no. they're that part. Okay. I think they're definitely like, oh, we're, and this is why. Okay. So finally, at this point, when they called for this, they were very hesitant about sending the money again. They okay. called the FBI. Okay. All so right. the FBI picked them up in Omaha. Charlene struck a deal and pled guilty in California to the murders of Craig and Mary Beth and agreed to testify against Gerald. In Nevada, she pled guilty to the murders of Carrot and Stacy, and Oregon decided not to press charges so they wouldn't deal with the fees and let Nebraska and California handle it. Oh, no, Oregon. Oregon, no. <laughs> when I read that, I was like, but I don't want to say this part. No, Oregon, I'm mad at you. <laughs> but I have to say this part. Why? Oregon, why? <laughs> so basically, they were like, they have enough evidence. They're going to basically, they're going to get They're going to get what they deserve, but we'll save our money? Of course, we're so economical here. <laughs> Dang it. So anyway, and this was a long time ago, so let's not talk about it because I read it and I was like, do I have to? It's going to take me a long time to forgive Oregon. So, but we love you, Oregon. Anyway, <clears throat> for not at that point, we were mad at you for that. But yeah, the mad. rest of you, we usually love you. So overall, she was sentenced to 16 years and eight months. Okay. Uh, <laughs> more concerns, but okay. <laughs> so then there was Gerald, who decided to serve as his own attorney of during his he did. trial in California. They always do. Like many of them do. Um, and by them, she means the worst ones. <laughs> Seriously. We've talked about a few of them. Always the worst ones. So if they, um, I mean, if he was, if he had a lawyer, they wouldn't have made some of the mistakes that he made. Like he postponed an opening statement. Okay. He, cause he probably didn't have one. He was like, what's that? Didn't, right. He didn't cross examine Charlene's mother, who was a prime witness. Uh huh. And, but don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> Even though he didn't do those. He cross-examined Charlene for six days. For six days. <laughs> I kid you oh not. Oh my god! <laughs> so, Did he propose to her like Ted Bundy? Oh, they were already married. They were married mind. twice. Yeah, he's like, "Do you want to do this a third time? <laughs> Let's go, baby!" Oh my no. god! So she started by saying she was scared. He beat her. He threatened her. He took her money, and which I mean, a lot of those were. So for six days, essentially, true. he got to relive the relationship that probably brought him a ton of joy, or whatever, fulfillment, yeah. and then made her relive those, oh, barf. So he tried to undermine her credibility, of course, talking about the love note she wrote after their first crime together, and bringing up how she was bisexual, but... It, right, right, because bisexual equals murderer, right? God. So... He just honestly made himself look like a bigger jackass. Right. So he and they then, let him do it for six days. <laughs> so he then put himself on the stand, and that's when he basically got caught in a bunch of inconsistencies. Okay. So it was when they were questioning him, and they're like, well, what about this? And he's like, oh, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So I hope he, someone was like, and what about the time when you um, questioned your wife for six days and we all had to be here for it? Do you, do you remember us all having to just stay here and yeah. sit there and watch that? Um, so he literally said he had taken a, quote, legal licking. Oh, right. That's a thing. And asked the jury to believe him because he was innocent and just believe him on faith. Mm-hmm. No, no. So despite his efforts, he was sentenced in California to death for the murder of Craig and Mary Beth. In Nevada, he did not serve as his own lawyer, 
thankfully yeah. this time. Yeah. They were Someone like, was like, whoa, bro, chill. Like, we'll it help didn't you. work out for you last time. Give us a chance. And it's always Nevada that's like, mm, you shush. Yeah. So, but he was still sentenced to death for the murders of Stacy and Karen. Good, good, good. He ended up getting a new penalty hearing for this case, but once again was sentenced to death. They're like, no, motherfucker, you still dying. Yeah. So Charlene was released from Nevada prison in July of 1997. Okay. Her mother raised her son that she gave birth to in prison, which was his child. Okay. Because she was still pregnant during the ends of these. Mm -hmm. And she said Charlene would never return to California. Okay. On July 18th, 2002, the day after his birthday. So, I mean, a lot of this stuff happens. Like, a lot of his crimes and everything like this happens. But he died the day after his birthday from cancer. Oh, of course. It was cancer. Yep. He didn't even I make thought, it to the... Yeah. I thought they were going to send him to the gas chamber like his dad, and it was going to be, like, poetic, like but father, awful. Like yeah. Um. Well, he still died, which, thankfully... I mean, he was on death row, <laughs> yeah. so he was... I mean, we all do, though, so it's uh, not as true. poetic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, he was on... He was, had the death penalty, so he was going to die either way. Either way. I guess he had one last birthday, asshole. But in total, there was only justice for four murders, and no charges were filed on the other six that they know of. And seven, if you include the baby that the girl was pregnant with. Oh, right. Uh. (laughs) Well, I'm going to cry. I'm I'm just going to go in there and cry. You wrap this up by... (laughs) Because I'm sad now. We I'm should probably have talk about wine. like happy stuff at the end, but we don't. And then we're just like, so anyways, sorry about ruining your day. Bye. Have a good life. Yeah. See you next Wednesday. See you next Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, that was awful. I do, um, I, now that I'm looking over the picture, in this one picture, if you showed me any other picture... I still do think he looks like one of my ex-boyfriends, and I did make bad choices back then, which is fine, but that guy's probably a good guy now. I don't know, actually. So there's that. I hate them. I'm mad at her collarbones for being so beautiful. (laughs) I mean, and that's the thing. It's like reading this, I was like, I was moving back and forth. Yeah. I was like, oh, I feel bad. And then I'm like, oh, but she's literally. She's damaged she's goods. In, but she. Like, I, I don't, don't even think I can give her way. that much because she's indulging in some of this. There, yeah. Like, there's a difference between being damaged goods and being guilty. Like, yeah. do I think she deserved to do more than the time she did? A hundred percent. She's aware of. Uh, yeah. No, I agree. To the like, fullest extent. Disposed a lot of bodies, hurt a lot of people, was a, witnessed a lot of people being hurt. Lured a lot of young women. Lured a lot of young women. Not a fan. Or of the fact that this is a black and white photo and I can still see that he's wearing a silk shirt. <laughs> I just, Disgusting. Everything's <laughs> making like, me Everything mad. about this, but especially that goddamn silk shirt yeah oh, and right. i think he has a black eye in this picture so okay well i'll look back on it so anyways that's crime <laughs> yeah yeah so there's that i mean usually at this point we'll do a couple shout outs i will say we had a couple um we sh- did comments shares so there was a roy which mm. i have no idea who you are a roy but hello we're um and happy. that crime that you mentioned we definitely we're gonna look into it we're definitely is it the cold cover. crimes is that the one you're talking about or is the other one that someone asked us to do the one that they asked us to do on the apple pie podcast. okay yeah so that's the cult crimes that i looked oh, into the you. cult i think yeah. you said cold and i was like no. oh you know the chili crimes no no but like cold case yeah the cult crimes yes um yeah i looked into doing that too were we both doing that today at the same time and didn't realize about it oh no (laughs) 
Okay, so we're definitely looking into it. We're definitely going to do it for you. We'll leave it at that. Thank you so much for the comment. We appreciate it. It was very nice. It was yes. very nice. I was like, cool. Can we be your friend? You said we're like your friends. Can we be your friend? Oh, we are your friend. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Destiny, Veronica, A-Roy. We're your friends. know your real name. Yeah. I guess it's something Roy, but. Yeah. Nice to meet you. You never know. Um, and then we got one from GoPats. So I'm oh, yeah. pretty sure I know who you are. So I don't. GoPats. GoPats. I mean, I'm here to GoPats because my husband would probably be GoPats too. And he'd be like, oh my God, we're best friends. Thank and you. I actually think you know his brother, so. Oh, it got awkward real fast. But thank you for shouting us out. We appreciate it. Even though it was a thumbs up, we're like, okay, I'll take it. You know it. what? I'll you did it. what we asked you to do. Thank you. We appreciate you. Also, Ashley Doyle, you did comment you didn't actually go to it, but it's only because you didn't know how to. So we're going to shout you out either way. Thank you for supporting us from day one. Yes, we appreciate it. I mean, she literally will, she communicates us with us all the time. She talks to us about possible crimes that we should cover. Um, so we really appreciate that. We love the interaction with you guys, like we've said before. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you. And I guess I think that's it for no. this week. Okay, so follow us. On- oh, no, I'm talking about the shout-outs, homie. <laughs> oh, shout-outs, yes. We I, love you all. Yes, that's it. I also needed to, I'm going to, I waited till the very end to put this in, that because, and it's probably a good time to say this, is that I literally, because of starting to do this podcast, there at the end are like, if we, if I wait till the last minute, I've, we've obviously got busy summers. Both of us have, we've got a bunch of stuff going on and I get, you know, to the day before sometimes, sometimes I do a few days before I pull up all these crimes and I get done doing it and, or I, I get up into it. And I'm like, oh gosh, and I got to do my crime and oh, like I, it feels so stressful. It's just another thing on my table and I get, or my plate and I get done at the end of the day and I'm like, I run out of whole thing and then we get done here talking and I'm like this is such a fun addition to my life <laughs> yeah yeah no I completely agree I mean it's I and we we have so much communication like we talk about crimes so we also get to talk about like we have we've it's like online Wednesday yes <laughs> we get to just like talk about our actual like what's going on in our real lives and we get to talk about it with you guys but we also talk about other stuff as well and we talk about our favorite thing to talk about also is just some random true crime shit. Yes, yes. And not a lot of people, I mean, a lot of it's actually surprising how many people enjoy it. But, I mean, it's not, people look at it a lot of times and be like, you do what in your spare time? And I'm like, okay, I'm weird. I get it. Thanks for looking at me like I I'm just not sorry. hurt somebody, but this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. So I just wanted to throw that in at the end, that it's kind of like motivating. Like it's something that I'm like, okay, I get done it. Well, you know, when we go through it and we I have to write everything out and I get done and I'm like, okay, A, I don't know why I was stressed out. That was super fun to look up and find everything about. And then B, now I get to go talk about it with Destiny and Wine. Right. Like, yeah. So <laughs> Destiny and Wine. Yeah. It's a fun addition to our lives. So thank you for enjoying it with us. Yes. We appreciate you guys listening and everything about and everything along those lines. Yes. And now is the part where I say, <laughs> if you haven't already and you just found this podcast today, please go follow us on Instagram, Crime Wives Podcast. Twitter, Crime Wives Podcast. Facebook, Crime Wives Podcast. I looked it up. Also, you can email us if you have any ideas, if you want to hear anything, if you want to know, like if there's something that you want us to cover and you don't know anything about it, you've heard it before, crimewivespodcast at gmail.com. And um, please do. If you want to shout out, if you don't want to shout out, if you don't want to shout out, go to wherever you listen to us, put 
um, your rate review. It helps us. And then you can put at the end, I don't want to shout out. I'm just putting this because I want to talk to you guys or I want to help you guys or whatever. So please help us. We are, um, it's the more that we, you help us, the more that we get known, the more that we get known, the more time that we have to cover these stories. Exactly. And the better sound quality. So I do not have to be an inch from my mic. Yeah. At this point, guys, if you can help us, the thing we're looking for is to make destiny louder because clearly I don't need it. (laughs) Very true. (laughs) And on that note, thanks for listening, guys. Crime Wives out.